but most of the incidents that materialize into actual breaches or act, you know, literally um, where you need to have an incident response, right? Um, yes. And assessing your vulnerability comes from human error. And, and, and how do you hedge against that? You, you need to literally build a, uh, you know, a privacy awareness training program, right? Maybe that's where you start, you know, building an in-house training program and where you're investing in privacy and security training. And listen, it's not about getting, you know, folks in trouble, right? It's not about, you know, getting people in trouble because they missed an email or because they didn't, you know, um, or they forwarded the wrong link, right? It's, it's literally so that you can, you know, um, mitigate your liability, making sure that your securities are, are centered, that you've got your data regimes built into every single department. You're listening to the Digital Data Cafe podcast, where we talk about everything data-driven in your world. Join us each week to hear from the world's top business and industry leaders on why using data in a digital world matters. Here's your host, Albert Thompson. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and I'm joined by the one, the only, Mr. Albert Thompson. What's up, Albert? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, Jason. What are you up to? How you been? How are you good, man? I'm good. It's uh, Christmas is over. New Year's yeah. literally around the corner. Um, I'm 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 great. I'm great. You know, uh, and 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 I got to be honest. I'm look. I'm looking forward to our coffee chats now. I know I can I be caffeinated. You cannot be because your head will explode if you drink coffee. But um, yeah. I like these. I like our our coffee or our our morning data coffee chats. Is that what we're calling these things these days? <laughs> Yeah, right. Remember, I'm still the orange juice, but yes, our coffee chats. That's correct. Yes, our coffee chaps. Hey, man, we got some cool topics to go over. I mean, we kind of, you know, we got a chance to start talking about a little bit before we start recording of just kind of this whole year and just how interesting it is. You know, if you, if you look at just from, you know, things, themes that were very important at the beginning of the year that are not important now, you know, and things and how things are evolving. Look, I think both me and you have kind of coined, you know, that this next year is going to be the year of data. And, 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 and I think we, we, we have to wake up, right? And yeah. I think dealerships need to wake up to understand, you know, um, what, what are the impacts? What are the opportunities? So let's let's go into this. We want to start off today uh, letting people know that there are data ambulance chasers. Data, can you believe that? I, I cannot believe we are now into a world where the, the term ambulance chasers has now moved and migrated into data. There are literally data ambulance chasers oh. out there. There are. And look, these guys are out there. These folks, these folks are out there and they're out there for one purpose only and to see if you are actually being compliant. And I'm finding most of them have to do with TCPA. So, you know, literally in communications, I had a friend, a good dealer principal friend of mine who recently just settled at the beginning of December on something very, very silly. Um, There was a customer, customer happened to have a best friend that was a lawyer. Wow. What a quinkadink and um, was complaining to his best friend about how this dealership has repeatedly been sending them marketing messages and he's repeatedly told them to stop and opt him out. And frankly, they just didn't do it. They they did the research. They looked through it. They just frankly just ignored his messages around opting him out. Uh, what what ultimately ended up happening was is that um, my my friend the dealer principal just agreed to just uh, settle for fifteen thousand dollars because it was going to cost him more just to get lawyers involved 
it was easier just to settle for 15 grand. Now, here's the interesting thing, Albert, is yep. there's no documentation. This is not public. You know, people aren't going to be talking about this, you know, but how many times is this happening right now in our industry and we're not discussing it? I'd love to get your thoughts. Oh, it, it's happening all over the place, um, you know, and we have to um, continuously look at um, what's happening in, you know, um, other other markets. Right. So, you know, we always uh, you know, the U.S. in particular. Right. We're behind data protection in terms of data protection laws. Um, you know, obviously we have the you know California Consumer um, Privacy Act. Right. Um, which is now, you know, California Privacy Rights Act. Um, you know, this year alone, Jason, this year alone, um, you know, Colorado's coming out with a new law. Um, Connecticut's coming out with a new law. Utah's coming out with a privacy act. Virginia's coming out with a privacy act. And it's so simple in theory, right, to say, oh, you know, you've got to make sure that you have your opt-out and your opt-in flows and your workflows and your data regimes in place. Um, the reality is it is not simple it is not easy it is a massive undertaking so that's really a long way of me saying that that's a vulnerability for consumers and they know it and so this opportunity exists mm -hmm. for customers to to really literally just wait and seek and find those that are not putting in the proper data regimes to attack and that assault um, um on your data is literally out there right and these these folks and, and dealers are so prone to it i mean i you know i think i think you know if i think of all the different companies out there um that um fall underneath you know the tcpa uh acts and regulations and we still look that we're, we're talking about look there's other guys too look we're not just talking about like data ambulance chasers we're also talking about uh there are regulatory groups that are actively searching for companies that are making mistakes like i mean the as a dealer, I, I mean, this is me putting my dealer principal hat back on, and 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 I'm just going like, holy! I mean, I I have to, I have consumers that could be keeping their eyes out for this. I have data, I have data ambulance chasers, I have FTC regulate uh, regulatory uh, departments out there that are are looking at me and stuff like that. And and and, and here I am. I'm, I'm a family owned business. I'm just trying to move some metal and service some cars. This is. This is a lot. And, and I think a lot of dealers look and they and they look at the technologies that they're using and they go, well, no, 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 no. I'm using this company. I'm I'm using this technology. I'm 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 protected. And yeah. Albert, you know, like that's not the case, man. Um who not, who who is responsible? Let's go there. Like yeah, who's responsible, Albert? Absolutely, right? I mean, well, listen, and that's a that's a that's a loaded question, right? Because there's, there's lots of responsibilities and there's lots of legal laws. And again, I don't proclaim to be a lawyer, um, but the one thing I will say is um, in our in our case with our firm, right, Driven IQ, um, you know, we know how important that data privacy and that data protection is, um, and so we're bringing in uh, in house, right? So we this week alone, right, we went through you know 30 of the top and the brightest um, data uh, chief privacy um, officers. So we're bringing that whole in house council. Layer, you know, right now we work with one of the top data privacy firms in terms of outside counsel. We're bringing that whole layer in house because you're exactly right. Where does that responsibility lie, and and who's going to be ultimately responsible? Well, at the end of the day, right, um, the dealer in this case, if we're talking automotive, the dealership has an absolute obligation um, to to ensure that they're not negligent in the way that they're managing their data, right? So, and I think a lot of dealers don't think that. Um, but there are dealers out there that are being hit hard and where they're being hit hard at the wallet. Um, exactly. we can talk about, we can talk about that case in, in Northern Virginia. And I know this group personally, mm. um, what, early December, um, 
the, uh, the, the the Jay Coons Automotive Group. Yep. Had a data breach. And, you know, and they, you know, listen, they had to settle to a class action law, um, you know, settlement to resolve the, the claims that it failed to actually prevent the data breach. So it's not even so much that the breach happened, right? It's the whole goal of, you know, data, right? And, and making sure that you're managing your data in a privacy first or a privacy by design organization. You know, that's us, right? We are a privacy by design organization. Um, so managing the breach is just the, the worst of it. You don't want to manage the breach. You want to manage to not have the breach, right? Um, and then it becomes a whole situation, Jason, whereas is this a notifiable breach, a reportable breach? or a non-reportable yes. breach, right? Can we handle this internally? Um, you mess those things up, you're going to be paying large sums of, of money to resolve those data breach and, and those allegations. Well, and, and as a dealership, like how am I equipped to know this stuff? I mean, look, this is again me putting my dealer principal hat on. I mean, look, I, I, I got 15 fires going on right? I'm, it, it's getting month end. I'm trying to make my month end and I'm trying to make my year end. Right. I got my, I got my accounting department, my admin, my controller telling me I got to close my month and get this paperwork in. All right. I got st like, there's so much again. I got to be honest. That is not the one thing that I'm thinking off the top of my head of going like, are we protected in this space? And because like, I also don't think dealerships realize how much data is flowing how much consumer data that we are collecting and how that's being transferred back and forth. Right. Like, you know, I mean, it's something as simple as like, you know, I, I have, um, I, I have a dealership right now where all finance leads come into one individual, which is right. fine because it's coming in through a protected portal. But then what does that person do? Turns around, emails the damn things yep. out to appropriate salespeople over something that is not protected and not encrypted. And it has customer SIN numbers, has customer addresses, has customer, like, I, I, these yeah. are the kind of things that we now have to start thinking about. Okay. So, you know, here's the thing is, and, and this is super important that we talk about this, right? Um, because I think to your point, right, as we move into, and again, we, we call it the year of data. I'm, I'm, I'm confident this is going to be the year where we're going to have businesses spring up, you know, claiming to be customer data platforms, um, email, uh, companies that are, you know, now saying, hey, because I can map back in a, in a pen data, you know, we're a data company. Um, you know, listen, th that's a huge risk um, for dealers. Um, that's a huge risk for any business. Um, so, you know, making sure that you're, you know, investing and in doing your proper due diligence. But here's the key. 90% of all incidences that materialize into breaches come from human error. So to your point, what you just said right there, I don't know if you know mm -hmm. this, but most of the incidents that materialize into actual breaches or, act, you know, literally um, where you need to have an incident response, right? Um, yes. And assessing your vulnerability comes from human error. And, and, and how do you hedge against that? You, you need to literally build a, uh, you know, a privacy awareness training program, right? Maybe that's where you start. You know, building an in-house training program and where you're investing in privacy and security training. And listen, it's not about getting, you know, folks in trouble, right? It's not about, you know, getting people in trouble because they missed an email or because they didn't, you know, um, or they forwarded the wrong link, right? It's it's literally so that you can, you know, um, mitigate your liability, making sure that your securities are, are centered, that you've got your data regimes built into every single department, whether that's, you know, service, whether that's, um, you know, sales, uh, new used, um, you need to make sure that every single department has some sort of privacy program. And, um, and, and to your point, data mapping, 
um, and I don't want to go on a tangent here, but data mapping, you know, how is data traveling throughout the dealership organization is important because, you know, what touches the CRM also might touch the, the DMS. What's classed as sensitive versus non-sensitive info, right? And then how does that data travel through the organization and what's, what's relevant, what's not relevant, what's sensitive, what's not sensitive? Um, how does that data then need to, um, you know, work within the IT realm versus the non-IT realm, you know, where's that data popping up in terms of sales and marketing versus non-sales and marketing? Um, sounds easy. Uh, it's not in, in reality. It is a big undertaking. And um, I'm just going to go back to kind of using this story. It was uh, with a, a specific FinTrack technology company that was providing and sending these and sending in these, these leads. And, uh, and to your point, they were mapping out a fair amount of information on the customer. Um, a great product, by the way, uh, truly. But it, I was just curious because I saw what was happening. And of course, I mentioned it to to that to my friend and he said oh shit like okay well we need to fix that i said yeah i really need to fix that but hey would you mind sending me their their um their data privacy uh policy that you signed off on and he's like yeah sure no problem send it over to me 13 page document and mm -hmm. look i'm not i'm not a lawyer i'm not by any right. means right. but it did take me much more than about five minutes to realize the language that was used within this within this document will push almost all all liability onto the dealership, not onto the technology company. And I brought this up to my friend. I said, did you know you were aware? And again, I'm not a lawyer, but did you know you were aware that you're liable for this, this, and this? And these are the only two or three things I can pick out of this document. He had no freaking clue, none whatsoever. He thought he had partnered with a company that, anyways, you see where I'm going yeah. with this. How do we do. avoid this? <laughs> well, I, yeah. So here's the thing is I think, um, let me speak to it as it pertains to um, how I believe dealers are going to start to want to initially start engaging with um, data, right? And I think that the first place that they're going to start to engage with data, and not in the sense that how they're engaging with data today um, in terms of their DMS and their CRM, I mean, all of those things are going to have to be up-leveled for sure. For um, sure. And, and, I, and I'll tell you why I think, you know, look, you know just talk infrastructure-wise, internal controls, are going to have to be up leveled because what we're seeing is the market awareness right of the consumers to your point um are now becoming more aware of what their privacy rights are um and how they can opt in or opt out or consent or no consent um and and utilize those rights so you're gonna to have to up level your game internally from an internal control standpoint no questions asked because to your point data ambulance chasing is a thing um there are regulatory companies that's a real thing. Um, I know for a fact that there are companies that pay hundreds of employees great money per hour to do nothing but to engage in a shopper sequence to see if your dealership will fail that sequence and then hit you with um, a, a you know a, a flaw and then literally have to to have you settle. So that's a that's a thing from a regular, right, let's uh, let's a let's take a moment there so, real quick. Albert, let's take a moment because I want to pause yep. because I want to go down that rabbit hole because I really want to make sure that everybody that's watching and listening really understood yep. what you just said. There are people that are actively shopping and it's not just automotive guys. They're not after us as dealers. Okay. They're, they're after any type of e-commerce or online conversations or any type of retail. Like it's, it's look, they're looking for flaws. All right. Mistakes that are being made. I'm just saying right now, I find dealers kind of have a bullseye on their back 
And I hate to say it, and I think the reason for that is because we're we're sitting ducks. We're we're easy targets right now because who has a chief privacy officer working at their automotive group right now? <laughs> Does that even exist? No, but but you know what? There probably there probably should be, and there probably will be. I think that's going to actually come where there's going to be the need for uh, a data privacy officer within a dealership um, to manage to the consumer data flow. I agree. I, I I totally agree. I I think there will come a time that I will actually have to employ a data privacy. But I mean, look, this this is just the way of the world, guys. I I, I know you made me go. Oh no no, that's never gonna happen. I'm like, it will happen, and it is happening now. And to my story earlier, it's happening, and you guys aren't hearing about it. Look, there's no dealer principal out there admitting that they just paid out someone fifteen thousand dollars because they did not properly c- collect the consent. Now let's go down the consent rabbit hole for a minute because i'm finding most of almost all mistakes being made right now are at that level of like who's responsible for collecting consent how do we store the consent right and how quickly is it to kind of modify i'd love to get your thoughts yeah so you know listen i think like i said going back to what i was saying a little earlier um you know from from our perspective you know as to how i think dealers will engage with data um, and in the beginning, right, I think will be from a marketing perspective, right, from a personalized marketing perspective, yes. um, creating marketing efficiencies. Um, so there's the opportunity, I think, for them to, to lean on um, companies like, like Driven IQ, for example, right, um, because we are making that investment into, um, you know, managing the consent modules, um, making sure that the data that, you know, we are mapping up against, right, is 100% compliant, privacy compliant. Um, you know, making sure that, you know, our CCPA and our California, um, you know, data brokers registrations are up to date. Um, that's a whole undertaking in and of itself and making sure that we're up to date with all the laws. So <clears throat> if I'm a dealer, right, and and I want to start getting into, say, how can I start using, you know, first party data to then be able to create, you know, marketing efficiencies, understanding my customer profile, my, you know, ICP, my ideal customer profile, um, understanding, you know, how they're engaged, what their behaviors are, what their traits are, and then understanding their buying signals. It's probably best for me as a dealer to partner with a, a technology company that has a data identity graph that's already been vetted from a full legal standpoint, has a SOC 2 regime in place, um, you know, working through, uh, you know, HIPAA compliance, all of these things. So that way, um, in the event that you're literally capturing those identities and matching those identities, it's not necessarily the dealer's data at that point. It's the data that belongs to the partner, right? And so I think that can help them to mitigate some of their risk. Yeah, you know what I'm something I've talking about mitigating risk, something I've seen recently um, that I never would have thought. uh, But now, since I'm thinking about this, I remember seeing it and it was offered. uh, I had a friend of mine who recently just went through a buy sell. And as a process of setting up his buy sell, he's getting his business his business insurance. Right. And I have a friend in the business. So he asked me. So I connected the two of them together and I said, yeah, yeah, you should talk with them. You know, and um he came back to me and he kind of showed me what his package was. And I, there was a part in this new business insurance that he purchased that actually had a clause around data breach. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. So I asked my friend who's the insurance broker. And I said, is this a thing now? He's like, Oh my gosh, it's the biggest thing. He goes, we are selling, we, we're selling more 
data insurance policies to small and medium-sized businesses than we ever have in the past. And, and I, and, and I was like, I was just totally fascinated with, with this. And I'm, I'm, I'd love to get your thoughts of like, do you think as our industry, does this need to, does every dealership need to have a data insurance policy? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, uh, cybersecurity is what it'll fall under. Um, and then they can get riders. I mean, you know, listen, we, we carry a massive, um, uh, data, uh, you know, policy. I mean, we have to, I, I, you know, literally, um, to get the types of records that we manage and the type of data that we manage, um, you know, the, the policies that we have to get are um, astronomical, but um, that's a good thing, right? Because that means more protection for our customers, more protection for ourselves. Um, but yeah, I absolutely think that no questions asked, um, you know, think about it even from a PCI compliance, right? Um, you know, you're taking credit cards, you're taking driver's license information, um, you're, you're managing social security numbers, and you're even into sensitive data um, that, you know, versus say non-sensitive data um, and the consequences of um, that data breach and not having that, um, you know, cybersecurity policy, you know, ensuring that um, puts you at extreme risk of, uh, um, you know, your business and becoming, a, and also becoming a future victim too, right? And then from a, I can't even imagine the press and the media side of it, right? So um, <laughs> all, also, huge. Yeah, you, yeah, you just want to uh, avoid that completely. So um, I would think that most dealers today should be um, in, a, in a proper cybersecurity policy. And if they're not, um, I would at least do the due diligence of reaching out to your insurer and see what type of policy you have, um, what are those limits, and, uh, and, and, and definitely get something in place that could protect your business, at least um, in the event of a, of a, of a breach. And it, you're right. And we're talking about data breach and like there's, I want to kick, kick it to probably the most basic level of what we're seeing as far as let's call it um, data expenses or cost or litigation, right? Almost all the data litigation that I've seen out there has to do more so with, you know, one-to-one -one communication. And because um, I think a lot of dealerships are just not necessarily abiding or ignoring it or listening to it. You know, I've, I can't tell you how many times I get a dealership ask me to run a text message blast for 50,000 people. Yeah. And I'm just like 50,000 people. Right. Like you're telling me you have consent on 50,000 people because I'm going to send a message directly to their pocket. <laughs> well, you know, and that's, listen, the, it's funny to even bring this up, right? Because I was just actually talking with another company that was asking about our TCPA um, compliance. And, you know, of course, um, we do have a TCPA compliance overlay on top of our um, identity wrap, right? So we can add that um, in our API and we can make sure that that's, you know, um, you know validated uh, to, to ensure 100% that we have opt-in um, on the TCPA. But, you know, specifically to what you're speaking about, man, it blows my mind um, to think that, you know, you're going to send out a cold text or even a warm text to somebody um, yeah. and not be 100% positive that you've got the opt-in, that you've got it stored, you know where that's stored. You can actually, in the event of an audit, um, you would be able to pull that up and be able to, you know, validate. Uh, if you can't do that, um, you're really, you're running the risk. A hundred percent. And then, because that's what I'm saying, I think, you know, who is responsible for collecting, you know, 
consent. I mean, I look, I understand what salespeople look, they get it. All right. A lead comes in, it's got a phone number on it. All right. They know that, you know, that if I text them, they're probably going to reply back, but that doesn't necessarily mean we collected the consent for the authorization to do so. You know, it's like, we, we, we need to kind of slow down so that we can kind of speed, speed up. But then also if we do have that consent, well, whose responsibility for collecting the consent? Is it the lead provider? Is it your website provider? Is it you? And then to your point, like, how are you able to pull that consent? So if someone asked, did, you know, prove it to me, did I say yes, right? Yes. And look, I think the collection methodology is simple, right? It, it, well, I don't want to say simple, but, yes. you know, the, the methods of getting the data and storing data is, is a lot easier than being able to manage to the actual data and the flow of the data as to how it relates to your organization, right? So... Um, really good point, right? So, hey, uh, somebody went to my site, um, Jason, I have a privacy policy when they accepted the terms and conditions and then I sent them a lead and they clicked the opt-in. Great. I've got the phone number. As far as I'm concerned, you know, I meet the minimum requirements for TCPA. Probably do. Um, but what if that customer wants to opt out? Do you have the proper opt-out workflow? Yes. Is that, is that opt-out workflow in place where it's touching the CRM, the DMS? You know, is it pulling that entire customer? Because if you're not, and remember, um, when it comes to the guidelines, this is what this is the tricky part, man. This is where it gets really, really fascinating. When it comes to the guidelines, you start at the federal level, you're down to the state level, then you got to get to the city level, and then there's even down to the county level, right? Yes. Um, believe it or not, that either. That, Yes. So you have to manage all of those data protection laws and then you have to make sure you understand um, the summary of all of those opt out rights and the preference signal requirements. Right. Um, and if you don't have that outline, because remember, dealers just don't sell cars in their neighborhood. So if you're selling cars out of state, you're selling cars across the country, you're selling cars across the coast. Um, you now need to manage to the federal data protection laws, the state protection laws, the city protection laws and the county protection laws. A hundred percent. And all of those have different compliance frameworks. All have to be connected. Yeah, exactly. And remember, it's all different as to how those consumers have the right to exercise those rights. That's right. And, and, and that's, I think that's the key thing too, is, is do you, I mean, as simple as a process, let's just, let's break it down to one of, I, I want to make sure that people are watching and listening are be able to take something actionable away real quick. Okay. So let's, yeah. let's take it down to the most simplest thing. All right. What is your opt-out process? Okay, if if, if 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 someone sends in replies to an email in service versus sales, right? Because the, this all has to be connected through all departments. Okay, if someone in service says no, don't send me promotional information ever again. Guess what? You have to opt them out both on sales and service side. So what does that process look like? Who does that go to? You know, I know some dealerships right now that will, you know, it's a very manual process, but at least it's a process. They'll they'll take that, forward it to the receptionist, and the receptionist will then go in and check off the marks, you know, for each department so that it's turned off. At least it's at least it's being done. Depending on some technologies, it can automatically be done but when we're using multiple systems we have a, a marketing system for service we have a marketing system for parts we have a marketing system for sales there's a lot of opportunity for mistakes to be made here don't you agree yeah there's a lot there's a lot um <laughs> listen uh there's there's opt-out rights there's what's also called opt-out preference signals there's also the ability to you know the terms of sharing the data versus selling the data 
right? So there's, there's, there's different ways to that. Then there's the term I talked about a little bit earlier, sensitive information, right? Such as consumer social security, driver's licenses, passports, uh, login information for financial debit cards, you name it. Then there's also the opt-out preference signal. So you've got um, preference signals, you've got uh, opt-out rights, you've got sensitive, you've got share terms, you've got universal opt-out mechanisms. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And when, when consumers um, implement their rights, right, and they exercise their rights of, you know, having that right to opt out of the processing of their personal data, well, what are they opting out from? Yes. Are they opting out for targeted advertising for the purposes of the sale of their personal data? Or are they opting out for the use of that information to not be sold to third parties or third party vendors to not disclose that information to a processor that processes their personal data. Um, and again, I'm not trying to make this sound like superly crazily overwhelming because it, it, it is. Um, but you, you just got to be aware, right? You got to, you can't be negligent because that's not going to work. You can't partner with a company that's going to claim I didn't know because that's not going to work. Um, so the whole point of this, and I like what you said, uh, the takeaway, I hope the takeaway from this is that at least we're rising this to the level of, um, asking questions. Can we at least agree with that? Let's, let's ask the question like partnering with our partners out there. Are they doing these things? You know what? I think that is the best point of action that anybody can take. Anybody watching and listening right now is just, let's just start off with a bloody conversation. That's all. Let's start off with a conversation, all right, with any of your vendor partners, and I do say partners, all right, yes. um, any of your vendor partners that um, are either providing you data or um, helping you utilize your data for the point for the purpose of marketing or communications or anything like that, and just simply ask, all right, yeah. just how do you guys approach data handling, privacy, yes. opt and, and opt-out controls? You know, like how, how is it? I think that's a great place to start. Um, and, and guys, this is not something to be afraid of. This is something you need to lean in and embrace because you can do beautiful things, amazing things. You can, you can craft out marketing messages and materials that make me feel known as a customer. You can connect to me as a customer in deeper ways than you've ever had before, but there's responsibilities that go with that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm so glad you said that. Um, yeah, you know, I think for those listening out there today, right? So if I'm in, in the dealer's shoes today and, you know, I get a, a company that's going to approach me and say, hey, you know, um, I'd like to help you work on helping you identify your first party data. Um, I'd like to turn that customer audience and those shoppers into personalized marketing, um, you know, and I want to help you activate that data. Yeah, I think the first thing is, you know, start having that conversation. Well, can you walk me through and maybe here's like the top two or three that I would start asking. Um, is your company currently in any type of SOC 2 um, compliance or compliance onboarding, right? Because um, at least that means they're building in control mechanisms in their organization that's going to protect those devices um, and those employee devices or anybody that's possibly touching the data um, from that perspective, right? So SOC 2 is, is probably a good one to ask. Um, second, um, you know, what is your company doing today um, to manage to the, to the current U.S. state data protection laws? Can you walk me through what your data regimes are? Um, do you guys have, to your point, um, a current opt-out um, you know, 
mechanism, right? Do you, what are you guys doing to, to you know, uh, maintain that mechanism, even if it's manual, right? Um, to your point, you know, even if it's, hey, we have an email, we have that set up, that this happens, then once that customer engages, then we ask for these um, validation items from the customer. Customer then provides us those validating informations to uh, ensure that that's the one uh, initiating the request. Even if it's that level, um, and you get the confidence that you um, know that this organization you're about to partner with um, is doing the right things. I think if we can get into 2023 asking the right questions, that's a win. I, I, I'm so with you. And 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 guys, uh, I know we're getting towards the tail end of our conversation today, but if you're out there and you're watching and listening right now, another thing I also want to bring up is don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, look, we're, we're all in the same boat here. We're all going to navigate, you know, the, the sea of, of data usage and uh, we're going to make some mistakes. Like, uh, dealerships are making mistakes, but I, I will say we, we can collectively as an industry learn faster from being more open and transparent about some of our mistakes. Um, like I said, I, I know things are happening that are not being talked about. And I think this industry can all benefit from us just having open conversations, about, Hey, I made this mistake. Don't make it. You know, um, so let's just and, and guys, if you're out there and you have a question right now, look, I'm not a lawyer. Albert's not a lawyer. Good disclosure for us to say I'm a copy yes. Neither of the two of us are lawyers and neither of us, of us are lawyers. Type of legal advice. Um, I do have a legal team. We could certainly have a conversation with those folks, but uh, this is not intended to give anybody any legal advice out there. So thank you for saying that. But look, but also, this is real. Feel, free, feel free to reach out. If you guys got a question, we would love to help you. If if you guys are currently in a situation and, and, and you're running up against with it, we may be able to help connect you or be able to kind of help you navigate and stuff like that. I know both me and Albert love to help our industry in any way or form. So if you guys are dealing with any types of situations like that, please feel free to reach out. Like I said, we're not lawyers, but we'll, we'll definitely help in any way we can. Well, and, and so going back to what you said, though, Jason, what I liked about the um, the part about being able to do beautiful things um, with the data, that's right. Um, that's what this is all about. And customers have come to expect that from us. They've come to expect personalization. Um, you know, we have to start thinking, um, you know, macroeconomics, right? What's impacting our, our universe today um, from a macroeconomic standpoint? We live in a post global pandemic world, right? Um, and that, let's face it, that pandemic changed and shaped the, the society landscape that we live in, work in, breathe in, and thrive in today. Um, and, and that is so important because just, I'll give you one example. I'll give you one perfect example of why macroeconomics comes to play and how um, we need to be thinking about our customers. Uh, and for us, we call it, you know, um, the home hub, your home as the hub, right? Um, and that's interesting, right? Because before the pandemic, we'd spend what, maybe three, four, five hours, um, six, seven hours sleeping at night at home. We'd spend three to four or five hours in the morning at night, but that's it. Um, home wasn't the hub. Today, home is the hub. Uh, we work from home. We are at home more than we've ever been. Um, even post pandemic, right? We did not see the, the levels of engagement going back into the, the workforce or going back into the marketplace like we, we thought. And again, now we're looking at inflation. So um, even the outside of going out and shopping, um, all of those things have started shifting and still continue to happen at the home, right? So getting your data layers and getting that foundational structure down to the consumer household level, being able to understand and you know, you know, standardizing that data to 
get to that ideal customer profile, blending those contextual signals of understanding who that customer is and then activating that across the media pathways in a personalized way um, is an amazing thing. So Huge. it's going to be incredible. So you just got to do it right. It's going to be a wonderful, it's going to be a wonderful new year. Hey, uh, thank you again, everyone, for taking the time to uh, join us today. This has been an amazing conversation. Uh, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you guys next time. Thanks, Albert. Thanks again, Jason. See you next week.